Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Well, good afternoon and welcome. Here it is. It's day two of the working week, the Tuesday edition and a great day for talk radio still down in the basement, so to speak. It's not my parents' basement, so that sort of distinguishes me from a lot of millennials, I guess. But uh, a lot of folks working out of the house and home, as has been required or recommended at least, uh, some people are not paying attention to those directives. We'll talk about them here shortly. Just wanted to say as we're gliding through this imposed social distancing I hope it doesn't make us nuts because I've already done all seven episodes of Tiger King on Netflix, so I don't know where to turn to next. However, as a first order of business, we heard Danny mention off the top that today's the day where uh, the Minister of Education came forward and announced some plans for uh, the school kids. They're not going back to school till May now, but uh, there are contingency arrangements. We thought we'd go directly to the Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce, and get further detail. Minister Lecce, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Hope you're keeping well. Thanks, John. I'm doing okay. How are you? Likewise, thanks. So the schools are closed until the beginning of May. Now, is that based on uh, public health recommendations? How did you determine that? Absolutely. We spoke to Dr. Williams, the Chief Medical Officer of Health, uh, Minister Elliott, and I spoke to him over the weekend, and it was concluded that there needs to be more time in order to maintain the safety of students and staff. So we've extended it to the 4th of May with his full support. And obviously, we're going to keep monitoring the situation because, as you know, the situation is fluid. It's moving. It's growing. Um, and if we have to do another extension, we will. But right now, we think that that's a prudent amount of time to give us uh, a bit of a roadmap to prepare for any eventuality. Should they be back in class or should they stay at home learning? All right. And so uh, when you decide to reopen again, it'll be based on the public health recommendations. I get it. So, uh, Minister Lecce, tell me then how you arrived at uh, how this is going to break out. Uh, what would the requirements for teachers and students be going forward? Well, there are expectations set out here. What we're trying to provide parents is uh, a sense of predictability. Like, I get it, it's a volatile time, folks, and you need uh, as much predictability as you can, uh, as we can give. And that's why we're providing some standards, some minimum expectations. So we're, first off, we're reestablishing teacher-led learning. We're doing it by grade, and we're grouping it between kindergarten, grade three. There's a minimum of five hours of work per student per week and a focus on literacy math. There's a student in grade four to six. There's five hours of work per student per week. Again, a focus on literacy, math, science, and social study. The grade seven to eight, it's 10 hours of work per student per week. And again, an emphasis on the same courses. Changes have been nine to 12. And nine to 12 is three hours of work per course, uh, not per student. Uh, and that's for every student in a semester program. And the reason why we're doing that is we're really putting an emphasis on, in the 9 to 12 uh, panel program, uh, an emphasis on completion of courses to get the credits they need to graduate, because I've made it clear, uh, the Premier has said it, students will graduate this year. In effect, is that accelerated and condensed at the same time? Some of the materials will be, uh, you know, will be modestly condensed, but we do believe that the integrity of learning and the curriculum expectations can be met so long as we move quickly uh, to get this operationalized as we are and as boards of education are, because they're going to be really on the front lines of um, administrating this and getting this out. 
So we believe that we can keep kids learning, engage in the substance with a focus on numeracy, literacy, social studies, I mean, STEM education. These are the courses that matter. 36 high-quality English courses. We've got uh, so just a few more, uh, 47 in French for online learning for secondary students. Uh, we've got an incredible amount of uh, educational resources for parents because we know that parents are going to, you know, for many of them are going to have to help out and do anything they can given that their child is in a very untraditional form of learning. And so we're trying to arm them with as much information as we can to reduce the burden on them and to empower the teacher to take some uh, leadership in the context of learning. And that's what we're doing. All right. And so this starts next week. But the uh, teachers, let alone the kids, would be hitting the ground running here. Yeah, we want them to be hit the ground running. And my message today is, you know, we all have to be understanding. I mean, look, we are dealing with a global pandemic. The priority number one is the safety of people, saving lives. That's got to be our number one priority. But at the same time, we have to ensure that parents uh, and their children are able to access quality education led by an educator. Uh, and so all right, but, but here's my question. Sorry, sorry for interrupting, but uh, on this matter, though, uh, will teachers need to upgrade skills, uh, skills training? Mm-hmm. How will this all work seamlessly and, uh, as I say, hit the ground running at full speed? Absolutely. This week, we're offering professional development. Every, every teacher in Ontario uh, will, will be uh, having access to online professional development of how to use virtual learning, how to do online learning, how to have a class of you know 25 or 26 or 27, whatever the amount of students in your class in front of you. Uh, dynamic discussion. We're able to ask questions. You're able to teach an actual course upload the video so the parent or the child could watch it again later. Uh, course materials posted there. There's, honestly, I mean, John, there's a, an incredible way of learning. And colleges and universities, they've already gone there. So we can really use this as an opportunity to build up that skill set of our educators. We're doing it this week ahead of next week's commencement of the Phase 2 of the Learn at Home program. So to your point, yes, we're absolutely working in lockstep, and we've got a critical path built so that educators are prepared, students are better prepared, and parents are better prepared to deal with the challenges and the opportunities of online learning. Again, with Education Minister Stephen Lecce on this announcement earlier today, uh, the kids are going back online to school as of next week, along with the teachers who will be providing the lessons. How about provisions for special ed kids? Absolutely. I really appreciate you asking about that, John. Look, these are the parents uh, and the kids that face the greatest level of difficulty right now because they don't have their you know, education assistance. They don't have any of those additional supports they may have had back when school was, you know, Uh, taking place in a traditional way. So there's two things that we're doing. One is we're offering additional supports, uh, guidance and uh, to parents when it comes to best practices about how to keep their child stimulated and focused. The second is we're unlocking the resources, the human resources within our boards of education. We have a lot of uh, executive assistants. We have many uh, special education teachers and others that want to help. Like John, in their heart, they want to help. Sometimes they feel helpless. So what we're saying to boards is, look, there's capacity there. I get it's not the same. They're not going to be able to be in front of the child, uh, obviously, given health considerations. But if we can get those people on the phone with the students, if possible, or the t- or the parent, if we can offer any assistance, video conferencing, telemedicine for mental health when it comes to psychologists or psychotherapists or teleconferencing with students for mental health supports, we have a dramatic amount of good uh, professional staff that want to 
work, and they should, and they will under our plan. They've got to be, you know, working hard. And I think that they, and to be fair to these folks, I think they want to step up and help right now because they know, they know in their heart that these kids need help. And there's a lot of anxiety out there and a lot of concern. And for those students or their parents listening, Kids Help Phone is an amazing resource that we are funding to help parents get through this and their children get through this process. All right. Much longer. I understand that the students are going to be marked on these assignments. Report cards will also be filled in. But yep. one of the main impediments that's been cited when uh, the online learning debate uh, got started with the teachers' unions and all the rest is that uh, some kids in rural areas don't have access to the internet. How do you square that one? Well, I mean, listen, it is a it is a challenge in Ontario. We live in a vast province, and you don't have to go that out there. You don't have to be in the you know, very north or very remote parts. I mean, I represent the, the township of King and Vaughan, and there's parts of King that don't have internet. So, I mean, you know, this is a challenge for folks right across Ontario. Uh, two things. One, we're working with uh, telecommunication companies. I've been on the phone with the leadership of the major telecom in this country to look for a low-cost, high-yield uh, solution to the challenges, the fiscal challenges, uh, related to affordable ch- uh, broadband, and I'm working with school boards to deliver it. Uh, there's more to come on that, but we launched the uh, launched a pro a, a portal for companies and organizations to come forward and work with us because we're going to need the ingenuity and the support of every sector of the economy to help do this. And the second is we're providing through school boards, or rather, are providing. Uh, additional supports for both the technology and broadband, particularly when it comes to getting the laptops out there. Many of the courses we built, John, uh, for online learning do not require, in fact, the courses do not require internet. You could pre-download them, use them absolutely as if you were on the internet, but you don't actually need the internet to, to interface with them, to you know upload stuff, to do the work. So we've really designed them with a focus on equity. We want every person to be able to use these programs. Even if they can't go and Google stuff, they could at the very least to use the full suite of that program, finish the coursework at home, even if there's no internet. So we're looking at every way to do things a little differently, but as smart as we can to make sure every child is not, you know, no child is left behind, rather. And this starts next Monday. Minister, I appreciate your time this afternoon. Wish you the best and stay healthy, uh, and to you and all your colleagues and family. Thank you so much, sir. You too. Have a good day. Stephen Lecce, Minister of Education in the province of Ontario, on the announcement earlier today. And I wanted to follow up on that because I think it's, uh, well, you know, it's a necessary move. I mean, the kids are kind of laying fallow there in the field. Nothing's getting done unless unless a lot of parents have decided, uh, you know, this extended March break thing, which has gone for a week now uh, beyond the two-week allotment. So, yeah, it's been rather generous. It's not all beer and Skittles or whatever the kids are drinking these days. It's got to be a case of uh, staying disciplined and staying in a routine. You know, even for adults, that's been one of the challenges. And uh, since, well, on a daily basis, all of us involved in the show are still going through the role as well as uh, doing it from home. So that's got its own exigencies. But other people have told me they're going nuts because they don't have a routine. They don't have a structure in their lives unless they develop one. So I'm just wondering if parents on the home front have done that with their kids. Should they ensure their kids are still getting educated at home? You may get a reprieve come Monday because now it'll be formalized under the aegis of the Minister of Education or the Ministry of Education, as we just heard from Minister Lecce. And the teachers are going to teach online learning. I know the irony is uh, something that I guess, you know, can't be understated anyway. Uh, On the matter, let's take some calls. We've got a whole uh, list of things that we need to get to this afternoon on a great day for talk radio. It's uh, one where, again, COVID-19 dominates the discussion 
As to the economic impact, we're seeing programs that are being rolled out, maybe none as quickly as some would like. Andrea Horvath is going to join us in the next hour, leader of the opposition in the legislature, believing that there ought to be a rent holiday for renters in the province of Ontario. A lot of landlords may dispute that, especially this is a principal source for their revenue or income, and uh, so therein lies the divide. But uh, there's also a group suggesting there be a rent strike and just shutting it down, not paying your rent. We know that evictions have been frozen for now, and uh, Doug Ford was pretty adamant that nobody's going to get evicted during these strenuous times. But we'll talk to that. We'll talk to Aaron Woodrig coming up at the bottom of the hour. He's the head of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. You may know, and if you don't, I'll tell you, tomorrow is when the carbon tax kicks in, going up by 50% from 20 a ton to 30 a ton on emissions. And that makes its way through the food chain, as we well know. Now, as trucks delivering food to supermarkets, for example, more for fuel, well, not these days. I mean, I get it that there are certain factors in the equation that are wobbly right now. But still, uh, it's a tax we don't need at this time. And some may say the MPs increasing their pay automatically, since that was put into law back in 2005, maybe it's time to take a look at that and rescind that. All kinds of matters that uh, will be addressed on the economic front. We have our panel coming up a little later uh, in the next hour as well. Rocco Rossi, the Chamber of Commerce in Ontario, whose members, 60,000 strong, many of whom are volunteering to fill in the procurement gap. And this is the good news story, if you will, in a time of crisis and dark days uh, where so many people are shining bright lights coming through and stepping up when they're needed, stepping into the breach to fulfill those requirements. Because we know, I mean, it's a global pandemic and it's also global in its reach when it comes to procurement competition and so uh the prime minister was even saying earlier today in his press conference this is going to have to be a made in canada solution and as much as we'd like to think that allies would step up in times of need that ain't going to happen because they've got their own material needs that have to be satisfied so you can understand the dilemma as far as that's concerned before we get to all of that i wanted to take some calls based on what you heard from minister lecce if there is some kind of reprieve that the kids have been getting from education, uh, that stops come Monday. And uh, in the lower grades, what did he say? Something like uh, five hours minimum that the kids would be required. That's on a weekly basis, as I understand it. Now, K to uh, grade three, four to six, same idea. Whether the teachers will be up to speed, I'm kind of curious because uh, I don't know if it requires too much skills upgrades but uh let's find out how you as a parent feel about this and if kids are still getting educated at home if you've mandated that that rather than having them just sit around it was necessary to force them into some kind of instruction thanks for listening to the john oakley show podcast be sure to rate review and subscribe for free at apple podcasts google podcasts and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio